My message today is called, Do Not Grow Weary. Now, for those of you that have mistaken me to be in my teens, because I'm apparently going through puberty and my voice is changing, I lost my voice during the week, and so what I have right now, praise God, I even have something, but uh, God's faithful. Um, It happens about once a year, being a school teacher, that happens. Um, But it's more than just, it's not about me. This is a message from God calling all of us, all his people, to not grow weary. I want to begin by saying that for as smart as some scientists are, how many know they can also be really dumb? Please don't take offense if you're a scientist sitting in the room right now. In a recent article by National Geographic, astronomers were stunned, stunned, about a phenomenon that's happening in space right now. Let me read you a little bit from the article here. Maybe you can figure out what these scientists can't figure out. The latest measurements with the Hubble Space Telescope suggest that the universe is expanding faster than scientists' models predict. A hint, the writer adds, that some unknown ingredient could be at work in the cosmos. Huh. It goes on. It's one of the biggest puzzles in modern astronomy. Based on multiple observations of stars and galaxies, the universe seems to be flying apart faster than our best models predict that it should. Hmm. Evidence of this conundrum has been accumulating for years, causing some researchers to call it a looming crisis in cosmology. Now, a group of researchers using the Hubble Space Telescope has compiled a massive new data set. And it's looking even more likely that there's some fundamental ingredient of the cosmos that astronomers have yet to pin down. Hmm. What could this mysterious fundamental ingredient be? If I said something like that in a middle school class, you know what they would say? Duh. Right? We know what the ingredient is. It's God, of course. Yet the vast scientific community refuses to acknowledge the creator of the universe. Let me ask you. Do you know why the universe is still growing and still expanding at breakneck speeds? It's because God never said stop. When God said, let there be light, the universe was born as light began expanding in all directions with God's creation of the heavens. And since he never said stop, the universe remains in a perpetual state of obedience, continuing to follow his command. What a lesson that we could learn from that. When God gives a command, we need to obey and continue to obey. And yet, sadly, so many of the problems that Christians face today are because they've stopped obeying God from what He said and called us to do. After Jesus defeated death and hell in the grave by rising from the dead and appearing to hundreds of people over a time of 40 days, He gave one last command to those who would follow Him before He ascended into heaven. 
You know this command. It was to all of us as well. Matthew 28, verse 19. Jesus said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He said, go. He never said, stop. He never said, you've done pretty good so far. Why don't you take a break? He never said, you're all done. Now you can relax. He said, go. And when He sent His followers forth, He sent them and us with purpose and with objectives to fulfill. Verse 20, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of this age. Jesus fully expects all of us to continue to disciple others and to share the gospel by teaching others to obey all things that He has commanded us. But how can we teach others to obey if we've stopped obeying? He told us to go in His strength and in His authority and not look back. Luke 9, 62. Jesus said, Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. What's that mean? It means if we take care of God's needs, God will take care of us. And sometimes when we doubt what's going on, we look back and say, hey, I have a need that's not being met, or I wanted this to happen, or I'm uncomfortable. And God says, if you trust me and take care of my needs, I will take care of you. When we look back, we're doubting that God's going to provide for us. We need to keep our eyes focused on what Jesus told us to do, was to go and make disciples of all nations and be that light in the darkness. There's so many people that are out there right now who are not feeling pews all across this nation that need the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Three years ago, actually it's not even been three years, it's kind of amazing. Almost three years ago, this church granted my wife and I an interview as it was searching for a new pastor after the previous one had left. As my wife and I met with a very large pulpit committee, they shared the vision, what they were looking for in a pastor and a pastor's wife and a church to have to go through healing and growth and transformation so that we could reach people for Jesus Christ. The numbers here had declined over the years and very few, very few younger families and children attended at the time. Thus, some of the things they sought for was a young pastor. They got a 50-year-old, sorry. I feel young. They were looking for a young pastor who could reach young families, who had connections with school-aged children, who was actively involved in the community, who taught the uncompromising Word of God who was led by the Spirit and who shared the vision of growth and transformation. After a few long meetings and interviews and prayer time, this church prayerfully chose us to fill this role as your pastor. The church committed themselves to support the vision to heal and to grow and to extend. As most of you know, we hit the ground running or sprinting with strong teaching of the Word. We met with many people at their houses and different places. We got involved in the community. 
My wife is a very active member of the Rotary in town that meets many needs in the area. I intentionally sought out pastors in the area. I would go knock on church's doors and say, I'd like to meet your pastor. And they'd say, why, what do we do? I'd say, I just want to meet you. I want to have lunch with you. I want to share some visions how we can work together. I did this so often that the Houghton Lake Resorters started contacting me and said, hey, we want to get a hold of all the pastors. Since you know all the pastors, can you arrange a meeting? I'm not kidding. I said, I've only been here for a year. It wasn't me that was doing it. That was God's vision that he put in me to reach out and to be that light in the darkness. I started meeting with some pastors who had been doing it in the area, meeting for breakfast and talking to try to build unity amongst Christian churches in the area. I shared the vision when I first got here of having an interdenominational Christian marriage retreat. And God was able to bring that together where four pastors kind of led this. was held at Roscommon Baptist and people from eight different churches attended. It was a magnificent thing that God was doing when God was beginning to move through this church in new ways. During the pandemic when times were tough and people had lost their jobs and didn't know where the paychecks were coming from, this church put a brand new roof on the entire church. And it's all paid for, praise God. That's fantastic. We have generous givers that meet the needs of this church and, and missionaries. We've, as a church, we've increased our giving to missionaries and ministries in the area and around the world, as you saw today. We had ambitious goals, and we knew that in order to seek these goals, there would have to be some changes in current methods and current thinking and even current ways to address and deal with conflict. All organizations that seek to grow, both as individuals and as larger groups, must consistently review their methods, the ways of doing things, if they expect to relate to and reach the consistently changing culture and community around them. The challenge for a church, as you know, is that teaching of the word of the God must never be compromised. You must never change a doctrine to make it reflect like the community around you. We believe in strong biblical teaching led by the Holy Spirit that is not compromised, even when it's tough to hear, because that's what changes us and causes us to become more like Jesus instead of becoming more like the world. We must always be true to God's Word, first and foremost. However, methods and approaches and programs and ministries have to change so that we can continue to make disciples of all nations and teach them to obey all that God has commanded us. It's amazing to think of all that we've gone through together as a church, and yet it's still shy of three years since God has called us here. We've gone through celebrations and challenges. We've gone through growth and conflict. We've gone through renewal and evaluation. We've gone through a season where the entire world shut down. And yet we have still continued to grow by submitting to God and the vision that God has for us to be His light in this community and the world. While many churches did not survive the pandemic, we actually grew through that time and still welcome new visitors all the time. Our Bible studies and services have grown as well as our outreach and our hands-on involvement in our community. And certainly one of the greatest challenges 
in establishing a church that reaches all ages is how we handle our worship approach. I can tell you that there are usually three predominant approaches that churches use when they look at expanding or picking what kind of worship approach that they're going to do with their worship music. A church may choose to stick with only hymns to keep its current members appeased, so then it seldom attracts new, younger people. Or it scraps all the hymns and goes with almost all new contemporary worship in an attempt to reach the younger people, thinking that the older ones are here and settled. So now we're going to go up to new ones. And we're going to get rid of all the oldest classics. And we're going to do all new, modern and contemporary songs. Disregarding the desires of the current members, who are often shamed if they don't accept this new kind of worship music. Finally, the third approach that many churches use is to offer two different services. Two different times. One traditional service with traditional hymns and one contemporary service with contemporary worship. Invariably, this divides the church into two separate groups of people. Now, I know some things have worked in other churches. I'm not coming against that. What I'm telling you is the vision that God gave me when we came here. When God led us to this church, I sought His vision, not mine, but His vision for worship to unite and build His church to give glory to Him. And so from the beginning, we have worked very hard on establishing a blended worship experience with something to reach all ages. Now, while you may not realize, it takes a lot of work to put a worship plan together each week with almost daily communication between myself and members of the worship team and leaders. A lot of planning and consultation and questions and practice and research and effort goes into every service just for the worship music. Remember, the worship leader's job is to bring you into the presence of God. Yes, God can use our talents, but it's to bring each of you to kind of make us invisible and bring you into the presence of God. And so from the beginning, we've worked very hard on establishing what we call a blended worship experience, something to reach all ages. Many churches do not choose the blended worship option because it really is a lot of work. It's a lot of communication. But I I absolutely believe it's worth it. I hope you do too. We've witnessed a great move of God in our services when the worship is in line with the teaching of the Word and we all grow together. When we keep our focus on God, I know it's hard to keep our focus right now because of all the big trucks that are going down the road. When we keep our focus on God and continue to obey the command of Jesus to go forth and advance the kingdom together, we are all blessed. Yet invariably in any organization, whether it be a church or a business or a school or a family, there are some who become weary and they change their focus. And when this happens, and if it spreads to others unchecked, then growth is stifled. Momentum is stalled. Objectives cannot be achieved. Visions cannot be thought through. And unity comes under attack. God knows that we are human. He knows that we err, that we trip up at times. He does not expect us to be perfect, but He does expect us to be honest with Him and ourselves 
in times of spirit-led reflection. You've been here long enough to know whenever I preach a message, there's always a song of reflection. Now, we have some wonderful talents that God has brought us. But that song reflection is not a time to listen to see how well someone is singing. It's to, it's to pull some of the truths out of the message so that we can reflect individually. What does God want me to hear and receive from that message so that I can change and become more like him? That reflection time is so very important. God does expect to us to admit when we're wrong. He does expect us to confess our sins to him and to one another. You know, an interesting thing that many people don't realize, the Bible says this, this is not even in my notes, but the Bible says that when we confess our sins to God, he forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Amen? But it also says this in James chapter 5, that, that you are to confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So here's the truth of that. It could be a whole sermon on itself. If we only confess to God, we will, we will be forgiven, but we will keep repeating that same sin that's been a stronghold in our life. But when we've sinned against someone else and we confess to someone else because we've broken that relationship, then it says only when we confess to someone else and pray for someone else, then we're healed. That's how bondages are broken. That's how strongholds are broken. So you wonder why you can't break through something or someone else is repeating that same sin? It's because they've not taken the hard work, and it's hard, believe me. I failed many times too to go to that person I sinned against or had a bad thought against or spoke negatively against and ask for forgiveness and then pray for that person. That's how we are healed. That's what the Bible says. It's hard work being a Christian. Don't let anybody tell you it's not. But it is absolutely worth it. We've been given the greatest gift ever through Jesus Christ to the cross. And he said to go and share this message because there's so many people in bondage right now that need to be broken out of it and need to be rescued. And we have the answer. The answer is Jesus Christ. Amen? We need to admit when we're wrong. We need to confess. We need to repent, which means to turn and change our ways. We need to allow God to change our ways so that we don't keep simply repeating the same sin over and over and bringing more and more destruction to ourselves and others. Galatians 6, verse 6, says this. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Here's a command in the Word of God that states that just as you are blessed by someone who teaches you the Word and understanding and application, likewise you are to share in all things with this person. Whether it's a pastor or a Bible teacher that's teaching you the words that you can understand, that's what the Word is commanded. This is why pastors are paid for their service to their congregation, and it's greatly appreciated when fair compensation is received. It's greatly appreciated. You'd understand that this passage does not merely cover monetary compensation because it says we are to share in all things. What does that mean? Well, like I've been teaching our Bible study classes, when we read a verse, we are to read it in context. Verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Again, this is not just talking about money. Whatever you sow, that you will reap. This is the point of this message today. Galatians 6, verse 8. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. 
But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Listen, there's a way to handle conflict in a church and a way to not do it. Going through the proper channels, especially in a church like this, with well-established and proven church governments, with elected leaders through a democratic process, it allows for conflicts to be resolved properly if people go through the proper channels. But there are also very destructive ways in dealing with conflict that are not biblical, and so God warns us against that. What God is saying here is when you neglect to support your pastor, when instead of praying for your pastor, you criticize what he is not doing or the changes he makes that you don't agree with, when you talk behind his back and complain to others in the body, about leadership decisions that you don't like, when any of these things happen, you reap to your flesh. And thus you reap corruption for your life. I'm not against different opinions. That's what keeps us strong. But we need to do it in a biblical way. But when you're quick to pray, when you're quick to forgive, when you're quick to close your mouth when you're offended, and quick to go to God instead of breeding discontent with others, then God sees that you're still obeying Him to go forth and remain in His will. Thus, when that happens, even when it's difficult, you're sowing to your spirit that you will reap that reward of eternal life. This is the context of this powerful truth in the Bible. It is in the context of honoring your teachers of the Word and leaders in the church who are serving so that God's kingdom shall indeed go forth. Galatians 6, verse 9. I share that because the context, because many times we quote this verse and it's out of context, but that's the context it's in. Galatians 6, verse 9. It says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. God has done so many things. I know some things are difficult with change and we want to say that it doesn't meet our thoughts. And I know the easy thing to complain is, but there's so many great things that are happening. If you haven't noticed by now, it's different behind me on the stage. We took out all the risers. This was the great thing about communication. Our worship team was saying, well, this is kind of, we'd like to kind of move around so we're not getting in front of people's way. And I said, but I don't want to upset the choir. Because I know they like to stand that. And I talked to Joanne, and Joanne said, Man, I wish we could get rid of those risers. What? She said, I'm, I'm afraid of it being a hazard and someone getting their ankle caught on that. And it's okay. But so many times, if we don't go to that person, we start to make assumptions. And you know this, whether I'm talking about a church or a family or anything, we start to judge someone based on the assumptions they're ahead instead of coming to, like the Bible says, to go to that person. Communication can solve so many difficulties if we would only communicate. We must be quick to pray and forgive and believe the best about someone if we are all wanting to obey God and to go forth to be that light in this world. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Listen, let us not grow weary of seeking God's will. Let us not grow weary of sharing the gospel with those who need His life-changing message. Let us not grow weary of praying for one another and loving each other. 
Let us not grow weary of believing the best about others and honoring our relationships with the grace that God has given us. Let us not grow weary of handling conflict and challenges in God-glorifying ways. Let us not look more to our comfort of not wanting to change in the hopes that this church will reach new people and new families, young and old, in new ways so that we can continue to go forth as God's power in this earth. That's what He's called us to do. We shall indeed reap, as the Scripture tells us, if we do not lose heart. Now listen, it's not a reaping for ourselves, it's a reaping for God's kingdom. If we were reaping for ourselves, we wouldn't want to change anything, but we're saying, God, we want to reach new people that we have not reached so far. We want to reach new families and reach new needs. So God, if we keep your message focused and our worship focused on us, you, what can we do to reach your people so that we can follow your message? Galatians 6, verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. God commands that we do good to all, not just the people that we agree with, but to all. It's a message for all of us. Oh, but he says, but especially to our Christian brothers and sisters. We are a family by God's calling and by God's design. Therefore, if someone comes to you and complains about leadership or your pastor, please don't just commiserate and agree with them and continue talking behind our backs. We owe it to one another as a family. You hear me say that every week. Let's pray as a family. Let's stand as a family. Let's, it's not a, a hyperbole or something I say. It's, I believe that. We've all been called to be a family of God. We owe it to one another as a family to work through our differences in a God-given way, and God teaches us how to do that in the Bible. We owe it to each other to submit to leadership decisions that have been made by your, your elected leaders who are willing to serve the body and give up their time and talents and resources. If someone comes to you with bitter judgments against this church because it is changing to reach more people, don't just say silent if you disagree with them. Say something. If you do not come against judgment and gossip when it crosses your tracks, then you perpetuate the problem. This is what the Bible says on that topic. It's in James 4.17. It says, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is sin. Good organizations and good churches and good businesses and good families collapse when people allow judgment and gossip of others to continue without stopping it in its tracks. Now listen, what makes a church or a family or a business or organization good does not mean there's an absence of conflict. In fact, a church or an organization or a family that goes through a conflict together actually gets stronger. Do you remember when our nation was attacked on 9-11 against evil? Evil attacked us. Do you remember that? Do you remember how our country came together? Even around the world came together. We became a stronger nation because of that conflict, because we helped, we dealt with that conflict in a God-glorifying way. What makes a church or a family stronger is not the absence of conflict, but it's dealing with it 
in a God-glorifying way, going to the person, not allowing gossip and judgments to continue. We protect our family. Churches don't grow because there is no conflict. They grow because they've learned to deal with it so that God's kingdom can advance and we all can heal and grow together. And none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. But if we're honest with one another, that's the greatest gift we can give give to you. Salted by His grace in the process. However, not everyone is usually willing to grow and change to become more like Jesus. And we understand that. I understand that my role as a pastor is to deal with conflict, and I have. Maybe you don't realize it, but there's a lot of conflict I dealt dealt with and a lot of positive stories that God has done to heal the church and to heal us as well. And I've had great support of the leadership in this church to deal with things that have come against us. But I'll tell you, there's a whole lot more out there that's coming against the church with Supreme Court decisions and politics and social movements and laws changing and and the, the love of many growing cold. That's all out there. We cannot devour our own in the process. We need to love one another. We need to work through issues. I'm not saying we can't have different opinions, but we need to work through issues. We need to protect the sanctity of the family that God has created. And overall, we're doing a great job. But I don't want something to to leak back in to destroy what God is already doing. Some have grown weary. The problem with growing weary is that when people stop putting the needs of others first so the church can grow and unite as a body, it's much easier to step into a fence when you think your desires are not being met. Well, I didn't know about this. No one ever told me about this. And I don't like this. Listen, that's not why God brought us together as a family. He told us to go forth. We need to come together and trust His vision to reach people. Because if we don't, we will destroy ourselves. People will become critical. They will speak about others behind their backs, which only brings division. I have resolved with several of the leaders I've talked with this week that we're not going to let that happen. We love this family too much to continue to allow unrestrained talk to go unchecked. Every organization and every church and every business and every family is faced with this challenge. The problem is not very few have enough courage to address it and to deal with it honestly and directly in the way that God has commanded us to do. Why? So that we can have the unity that God needs to flow through us. And all of us make mistakes. I blow it all the time. I'll be the first one to admit. The wrong thing comes out of my mouth, the wrong action, the wrong reaction, and I go to God and repent. It's not about being perfect. It's about saying, what am I willing to do to seek the unity of this body so this church can be a light in the community for someone else? So let me share one more biblical truth with you on this topic. Matthew 12, 34. Jesus said this, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, before the mouth speaks, judgment has already occurred in the heart. That is why God asks us to take time in reflection, to evaluate our hearts, to ask for forgiveness, and we all need it. Before bitter judgment takes root in our hearts and starts to leak out through our words. 
Every week I shared with you, we take a time of reflection. It's going to be no different today. Scott's going to come up here in a little bit. He's going to come up here and he's going to sing a song. It's not a time to focus on him. It's time to focus on what God wants me to understand with the words of that message. To let the truth of the God's words soothe into our hearts and bring conviction when necessary and seek God for restoration and healing. I understand we all mess up from time to time and we all need time to get right with God. And He grants us grace and forgiveness if we're willing to do the necessary work of confessing our sins to God and committing to real change. But it takes a willingness to submit ourselves to the Spirit of God so that we gain self-control, which is a gift of the Spirit, not by your own will but then we gain self-control that's needed to make the changes in our lives. Matthew 12, 36. But I say to you that for every idle word that men may speak, they will give account of it on the day of judgment. I want us all to understand this truth about God. Every idle word that we speak, man or woman, child, that we speak, we will have to give account of that on the day of judgment. Do you know what an idle word is? I will tell you. An idle word is one that's not used to build up. A word that is not encouraging, not supporting, not understanding, not forgiving. A word that seeks division over unity and destruction over peace. It is a word that falsely assumes the worst of one's character instead of believing the best until we're able to meet face to face to resolve the matter. Regardless of the translation used, and I know there's a lot of translations today, but regardless of the translations used, this verse in no translation does it say that we have to give account of every idle word we speak except when we say we're just joking. Right? Well, I'm just joking. I didn't mean anything by it. Then why did you say it? And again, don't get in an argument with me. I'm telling you what God's Word says. Matthew 12:37. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Each of us has a choice to build up with our words, praise God, or to tear down with our words. To either encourage or discourage gossip from a critical spirit. Nearly three years ago, you hired my wife and I to bring healing. You guys needed it, we needed it as well. You hired us to bring biblical teaching and prayer and godly communication and spirit-led leadership. I will be the first to tell you we are not perfect and we never will be. But to the best of our ability, by God's grace, we have continued to follow Jesus' command to go, to disciple others, to teach His Word, to bring healing, and to advance His kingdom into the community and beyond. And in order to do that, there's going to be some changes. The beautiful decorations that our Chancellor Committee has been putting so much time into right now. We're looking at changes to the entrance, narthex. I still think that's a made-up word. but <laughs> We're looking at changes to make it inviting. and It's not going to change what we're doing. It's not going to change the Word of God and our worship, and our time of God, but we're going to do some changes to reach new people because God told us to go. We've continued to disciple others, to teach the Word of God, 
And our continued goal is that we all grow together and keep changing so that we can become more like Jesus and become the reflection of Jesus to the world. Thus, for all who take this message to heart, let us truly commit to this prayer from King David. You know, the Bible said that King David, he said of David, he said, he's a man after my own heart. It did not mean that David was perfect. In fact, after God said he's a man after my own heart, many years later, David committed adultery. Then he tried to hide it by covering up and he killed the man, had the man killed. And then he wasn't honest about what happened. But when he was convicted of where, of his error by Nathan the prophet, when he came to him, he realized, I have sinned against God. And he confessed. To be a man or a woman or a child after God's own heart, it does not mean you're perfect because you never will be. But when you are open to the Holy Spirit to convict you, to change you, then you go to God without any excuses and you say, God, heal me. This is David's response. It's in Psalm 51. It's out of that place of realizing I've been convicted. Now I want to make it right with God. Listen to these words. Psalm 51, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, God, you only, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me by your generous Spirit. Heavenly Father, as we reflect on these words right now, I pray by the power of your Spirit and by the power of your Word that you speak to each one of us. We're not looking to anyone else to decide We're owning this for ourselves. And wherever we have gone wrong, wherever we have sinned, wherever we have not stopped sin in its tracks, we're asking you to forgive us and to renew us so that we can continue to go forth in your power to be your light in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.